Welcome to What's in the Basement, a new podcast from the Berkshire Museum. In each episode, we will explore objects and stories from our collection of over 40,000 pieces of art, historical artifacts, and natural specimens. I'm Craig Langlois, Chief Experience Officer for the Berkshire Museum and host of What's in the Basement. Today, we are joined by... I'm Kendra, the Experience Coordinator. Welcome, Kendra. What object are we discussing today? Well, this object is similar to something we see pretty often today, but there is one big difference. This is called a penny farthing, or a high wheeler, and it's a lot like what we would call a bicycle. This machine has one giant front wheel and a much smaller one in the back. It gets its name because from the side, it looks like two coins sitting side by side, a penny and a farthing the penny being the larger front wheel. The seat and low handlebar are almost at the top of this large wheel, and you would pedal it in an upright position. Looks kind of dangerous to me, but this style of bicycle was popular in the 1870s and 80s until the arrival of the modern safety bike in the late 1880s. Kendra, is this what people called the bone shaker? Good question, Craig. The bone shaker is actually the predecessor to the penny farthing. The bone shaker, or velocipede as it was also known, was the very first pedal-driven machine in the evolution of bicycles. But it was not the smoothest of rides. There was a stiff wrought iron frame, wooden wheels of roughly the same size, and tires made of iron. It got its name because riders would shake so badly as they rode down the cobblestone streets, they felt it in their bones. We do also have one of these in our collection. So if the object we're looking at is the successor to the bone shaker or velocipede, what are the main differences between the two machines? Though the design of the penny farthing may seem unwieldy to the modern cyclist, it had many improvements over the velocipede. It was made entirely of lighter metal and had solid rubber tires versus the all-iron bone shaker. The larger front wheel better absorbed shock, which helped reduce shaking and allowed the rider to travel larger distances with every pedal. These adjustments made a much smoother experience. Both designs had some issues, though, and riders of both types suffered frequent headers. That was when the rider would be thrown headfirst over the handlebars due to the high seat being right above the front axle. That doesn't sound safe at all. No, there was still a lot of room for improvement. But soon came a machine that would revolutionize and democratize the world of cycling and beyond. The modern bicycle, aka the safety bicycle. Kendra, you have piqued my interest. When did the modern bicycle enter the scene, and what innovations did it bring with it? Well, Greg, thank you for asking. Two important innovations push forward a new era of cycling, the chain driver and the pneumatic or air-filled tire. In our penny farthing, the pedals are attached directly at the drive wheel. The addition of the chain driver, which you see on your bicycle today, allowed for a smaller front wheel, a better system of gears, and for the rider to sit lower and further back, decreasing the occurrence of those scary headers. The pneumatic tire helped with speed, comfort, and ease of propulsion. 
1885, John Kemp Starley introduced the Rover Safety Bicycle, which featured both of these innovations and is considered the first modern commercial bicycle. Soon, mass production began, costs went down, and a cycling craze took hold of Europe and America. Earlier, you mentioned that this modern bicycle revolutionized and democratized the world beyond cycling. Can you explain a little bit more what you meant by that? This year, we are celebrating 100 years of women's suffrage, and the bicycle was actually critical to the success of the suffrage movement. The safe, comfortable bicycle granted women unprecedented freedom of movement. They could get to places faster, often unchaperoned, and fashion trends adapted to the demands of these new lady cyclists. At the time, women were expected to cover themselves in voluminous skirts and to wear corsets that restricted their ability to breathe and move around. This was not ideal for cycling, or for anything, really. And soon ruffles began to disappear, and to the fascination and horror of many, women began hoisting up their skirts and exposing their ankles in public. Participation in cycling helped dismantle the myth of the, quote, fairer sex and push forward the call for social and political equality between the genders. Well, Kendra, it sounds like there's a lot more to discuss on that topic, but it's time for our final thoughts. And as always here on What's in the Basement, our final question revolves around relevancy. Why did you pick this object to share with our listeners today? I think the bicycle is an interesting example of how an invention and the subsequent redesigns can change the world in unexpected ways. It also made me think about how we choose to design our world today and the objects we use. The first bicycles had no pedals, brakes, or chains. Over the years, the bone shaker was adapted to become the penny farthing, and the penny farthing was improved to become the safety bike. While our bikes today are made of more modern materials, Design-wise, they're quite similar to the bikes the suffragists were riding around. Today, we face new challenges, and so we should reconsider how things have been designed in the past and find ways to adapt for the future. Museum basements can be magical places. Even though we can't have all 40,000 objects on display, we can glimpse at the depth and breadth of the museum collection through programs like this. I am Craig Langlois, Chief Experience Officer for the Berkshire Museum. I hope you can join us for future episodes of What's in the Basement.